Father, we just come before you this morning and we sing, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise, Lord. We thank you for joining us in this place, God. We thank you for just letting your presence rest here with us. God, I pray over each person that's here, God, whatever need is going on in their life, we know that you are a God who meets our needs. I pray that you would meet each need in this room. God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you'd continue to move in us. So, Father, we pray that as we hear your word spoken to us this morning, God, let your word penetrate our hearts. God, do in us what you need to do. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. God, you are good. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. going to share just for a minute an uh, experience I had in uh, Uganda. There's me, lovely person there. That's Isaac. And Isaac is a precious little uh, four-year-old boy that I met there. Um, I know a lot of you knew that Amy had, uh, they keep up with Elizabeth Boy. Faith is a special lady to her, and she'd had a stroke this year, and she's fully recovered because when I was there, she's dancing around again. So Thank you so much for all your prayers and support for her. But this is her grandson, and um, his mom was there and told us the story when we first got there about Isaac. He is a miracle. He is, he is a miracle boy. God has something special for him when his mom, her name's Evelyn too. They call her Evie, so we have Evelyn and Evie. Evie was five months pregnant with Isaac. She came home, and her husband had left and taken everything out of their house, which is not unusual for women to experience Uganda, unfortunately. And so she was devastated, obviously. And in the night, that night, she went into labor, and she delivered Isaac. And he, she was only five months pregnant, and so she, he wasn't crying, and so she thought he was dead. And she put him in this basin, and um, her neighbor, and I don't know if it was later in the morning she was going out, but anyway, her neighbor was a nurse. And she saw her with that baby, she said, what's in there? And she said, my baby, he's dead. And she looked at the baby, and she said, this baby is alive. So they took her to the hospital. She goes, take that baby to the hospital. She took her to the hospital. And we're assuming it must be a, because the, they said the nurses were white. So I don't know if it was a Christian hospital. There's a lot of those there. I don't know which hospital it was, because it was in another part of Uganda. She took Isaac there and put him in the NICU. And he was there for a long time. And people that knew her would say, just leave him there. He's going to die. Don't stay around. But she would not do that. She went every day. She prayed and prayed and prayed. And as you can see, he's fine. <laughs> and so, uh, yes. And so um, she went to uh, get him the day they were releasing him. And they told her her bill was like two million shillings, which is, not that much American money, but overwhelming for a Ugandan. That's a lot of money and because I use shillings there. And so um, she just collapsed. She said she cried. She goes, I'll work. I'll pay it off. What do you want me to do? I don't have that much money. And the nurses, I don't know if they talked to somebody or whatever, but they came back and they said, it's forgiven. You don't owe us any money. And they gave her money for transport to leave, and she now lives with faith, and she lives, and she is Elizabeth's voice. So show the next picture, the reason I picked that one. He's so cute. He sat on my lap a long time that day. Okay, okay, last week, okay, on the right is Evie. That's his mom, and so she's an Elizabeth's voice woman now. 
making jewelry, but that's Isaac. And I know last week, if you were here, we talked about, and he was in the, he was with the ladies, if you were there, he was with his mom, um, going for school money, you know. And so in Uganda, they have to pay to go to school. And a lot of the older kids, like from maybe third grade on, they go off to boarding school, which mo- the women there, their kids are at boarding school, which really helps a single mom because they stay there, they eat there, you know, it helps them. Um, that's just the way they do it there. But in the villages, in the little towns, they have preschool. And so there was a preschool I knew right down the street from the workshop. And uh, so we were driving in that day, and I told Amy, I said, how, I was asking Elijah, our driver, I said, how old do you have to be to go to preschool? And he said four, and I was like, well, Isaac needs to go to preschool. And so Amy said, you know what, I never thought about that. And so when we got there, and we always think things are not that big a deal to us, but we said, Isaac needs to go to preschool. And his mom, I wish she could be there to see her. She just was crying and so grateful because she just think that that would happen for him and so we got him all enrolled and you see how cute he is in his little uniform I made him put it on he was starting the next day before I left but his mom put it on so I could see him and take his picture and uh, that's the workshop and so there he is he started he started school this week it's just right down the street from the workshop so he can just walk there we you know when he's done and He'll stay, he'll get to go to school there, um, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-old, I think. So um, that's a little face to put with uh, what we have been talking about. And so he is a miracle, and he is very smart, and I know God has big plans for him. And who knows, Isaac may be big preacher in Uganda, that's our prayer one day for him. But anyway, thank you so much for your support and for what you do. And that's a little face that you can think of that is going to school because of our support. And I told those ladies there, I said, they're all members of the Church of the Crossing in Alito, and they're so happy, but they really are. And we appreciate your support that you give to them. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Second Samuel, chapter 16. We're going to skip around a lot today. There's one key lesson that you need to take away with you today, and that is this. Uh, you need to know what God has chosen, and you need to be okay with it. It is amazing to me to think about how something so simple that we need to know what God has chosen and be okay with it, how much struggle we have with that concept that God has chosen and we need to be okay with it. It is obvious as we've been studying here in uh, the story of David and Absalom and David's kingdom and his family and Saul that God chose David. But Absalom wasn't okay with it. And because he wasn't okay with it, there was much hurt, much grieving, much pain. And the same is true with us. When we come to the place in our lives that we're not willing to accept that God has chosen. He has chosen a circumstance for us. He has chosen a way for us. He has a desire for us. And when we choose not to embrace 
what he has chosen for us, we enter into a power struggle with God. And it's a very painful experience for not only uh, the individuals directly involved in that power struggle, but also with people that are around them. I was watching some video clips this past week of, of Mike Tyson when he was at his best, when he was in his prime. And I was watching him and, and seeing that uh, that fight only lasted one round. That fight lasted a minute. He would get in there and, and uh, you know, when he would just, uh, when he was in his prime, he would just, it, it was an unbelievable demonstration of overwhelming power in that ring. And, 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 and I thought that is very much like life, really, if you think about it, the power struggle. He would get in the ring. The, his opponent would get in the ring. The power struggle would begin. I would love to have seen Ali and, and Tyson both at their prime get into that boxing ring together. It, it, I can't imagine what would have taken place in there. Uh, I think it might have been something for us to see, uh, for me to see perhaps. But boxing is a textbook picture of a power struggle. Both want to win. Both try to outmaneuver each other. Both throw punches they believe will score a win for them. And both boxers are looking for an opportunity to knock the other one out. And so when two boxers go in a ring, uh, the choice has not been made. The choice of who the victor is going to be has not been made. And so they go in and the fight begins. With God, the choice has already been made. There's no need for power struggle. There's no need for the struggle, the fight to take place. And, and power struggles have taken place all the course of man's history. We're going to have more of them. Matter of fact, every single day, something takes place in Washington, D.C. that reveals the nature of the power struggle that's going on in our country today. And one of the missing pieces of all the news stories or all the pundits' uh, commentary and what they know or don't know or think they know or, or whatever they're projecting to happen out there is at the end of every one of their uh, uh, diatribes or line of the day or information for everybody to know, whatever that is, they ought to have in, in big, bold letters. Yet, regardless of what anybody thinks, God always wins because... God always wins. And I think that's an important piece of information for us to keep in mind when we consider the history of man, decision-making, the power struggle that goes on among people. There's different levels of power struggle. You got the world power struggle, you got the nation power struggle, you got the state power struggle, and you see I'm just whittling it on in, coming on down to the family power struggle that happens, and then the relationship power struggles that happen, and then of course, the power struggle that happens within all of us as individuals. 
right here and now, I'm, I'm quite certain that, that many of us, perhaps I could say most of us or all of us, are at some level of power struggle between our flesh and the Spirit. And it's important for us to realize God has chosen God knows what is best. God knows what is right. He has made a choice that's best for us and for his glory and his purpose. And we would all serve ourselves better to accept, to receive that choice that he's made. But Absalom didn't do that. Athaphel didn't do that. And so there's lots of pain and hardship that takes place. 2 Samuel chapter 16. Here are a few of the lessons I think that we can learn from this power struggle. There are many casualties, and most of the casualties in power struggles are innocent. I think that's true of power struggles. The second thing is the motivation of the struggle is usually someone has done something wrong to someone and they're getting revenge. Now, in this power struggle, uh, just a, a dandy power struggle, Absalom and King David, Absalom felt slighted believed he was slighted, did not believe that David handled the relationship properly as the leader, the father, the king of the family. And I believe there's plenty of evidence to say that, yes, indeed, Absalom had a reason to be upset with his dad and the king because he did not take care of business. And, and, and this power struggle comes from that. And Absalom has been hurt. And Absalom is unable to get over his hurt. And so many power struggles that you may find yourself in is exactly a result of that. You have been hurt. Someone in your family has been hurt. And there's just no getting over that hurt. And until the individuals that are involved in the power struggle choose to get over the hurt, the power struggle will continue, and people will continue to be hurt, and, and difficulty will continue to spread. Something else about power struggles, innocent people are often forced to decide whose side they are on. Which side of the struggle are they going to fall to? I, I try to put myself in just an ordinary guy's shoes here. You know, I, I'm, the, I'm the stable man at a little uh, hole-in-the-wall hay factory there in Jerusalem. And I provide hay for people. I shoe the horses, perhaps, or take care of their donkeys or whatever I'm doing. And I just, I just work. Every single day I get up, I go down to, the, to my store, and I take care of the animals. I take care of what I need to do. I sell the hay. I take care of people's, uh, 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 perhaps their saddles and their leather products and things like that. And here I am just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, something way out of my control, way out of my reach begins to take place, and I begin to hear about all the rumors that are taking place 
about the standoff between Absalom and David. Whose side are you going to be on? Well, uh, I'll be on the king's side. Well, what about if Absalom? What about if he wins? What, are, you, are, you, are you still going to state that you're on uh, the king's side if Absalom becomes king? What, what's he going to do to you then? Can you imagine the turmoil that the average person found themselves in? I mean, what are we going to do? If we choose the wrong side here, we're going to be flipped upside down. And, and innocent people, innocent people, are often forced to decide whose side they're on, and, and they and they're just find themselves in a pinch in such a bad way in a power struggle. Now, those people are the least considered in power struggles. I don't care what kind of power struggle you find yourself in, national, local, business, school, team, family, church, whatever it might be. Those people who are, are just, they're just wanting to live. They're just wanting to have relationships. They're just wanting to, to, to be friends. They're just wanting to have a normalcy within their community. They're the ones that really get pinched hard and, and oftentimes are, are the most vulnerable and the ones that are hurt the most in power struggles. Something else about power struggles, whether you're talking about financially, emotionally, you're talking about relationally, power struggles cost a lot. Some relationships never overcome a power struggle. Some relationships never overcome the hurt and the harm that has taken place with the power struggle. And something else about power struggles that I think is really important to understand, someone in the power struggle has a voice that is treated as the right voice in that power struggle. It's the right voice. Matter of fact, it's the voice that everyone says, this is the voice that seems or appears to be directly from God. Now, that voice may change. It may oscillate from time to time. But that voice gets most of the, of the uh, hearing as time moves on. And quite often, perhaps most often, it's the wrong voice. Because when a power struggle is going on and conflict is going on, usually the right voice is silent and the wrong voice is loud. And you have to be real careful of that. And you see that taking place in this story. Look in verse 15. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the army of Israel arrived at Jerusalem accompanied by Athaphel. When David's friend Hushai, the archite, arrived, he went immediately to see Absalom. Long live the king, he exclaimed. Long live the king. You remember when David was forced, weeping, crying, leaving Jerusalem because Absalom was coming to overtake Jerusalem, David was forced to leave, and they all marched out. You remember that, that David said to Hushai, he said, you go on back 
and see if you can be a spokesperson for me with Absalom. And so Hushai here is David's man. Absalom arrives. Hushai the archite comes up to him and says, Long live the king. Long live the king. In verse 17 it says, Is this the way you treat your friend David? Absalom asked him. Why aren't you with him? I'm here because I belong to the man who is chosen by the Lord and by all the men of Israel, Hushai replied. And anyway, why shouldn't I serve you? Just as I was your father's advisor, now I will be your advisor. Then Absalom turned to Athaphel and asked him, What should I do next? Athaphel, come on over. Stand proudly. Stand in the middle of the room. Everybody knows I count on what you have to say. You're the voice of reason, Athaphel. You're the one I listen to. You're the one I turn to first, Absalom says. Athaphel told him, go and sleep with your concub father's concubines. That's his first idea. For he has left them here to look after the palace. Then all Israel will know that you have insulted your father beyond hope of reconciliation. And they will throw their support to you. So they set up a tent on the palace roof where everyone could see it. And Absalom went in and had sex with his father's concubines. Absalom followed Athaphel's advice, just as David had done. For every word Athaphel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. I think we have some good lessons for us when we are in the midst of a power struggle, the beginning of the power struggle, or towards the end of the power struggle. First of all, be careful who you listen to. Be careful whose voice you think is from God. Who's making the most sense? Who's given the best reason here? Don't become so wrapped up in the power struggle and become so, con so, so confused in the emotion of the power struggle that's taking place that you lose sight of what's right and wrong. Because this is obviously bogus information from Athaphel. You see, it doesn't matter whether or not David was wrong or right. God's wrong is always wrong, and God's right is always right, regardless of David. Now, David was wrong to have the concubines. David was wrong, clearly the Scripture tells us that, to have the concubines on the roof. David was wrong to have sex with those concubines. David was wrong, wrong, wrong to be engaged with those concubines. And so here Athaphel comes along, and he believes that God's right 
or God's wrong is now right. And that's the information he's going to give. Now, believe it or not, in today's world, we hear a lot of people speaking as though they are speaking for God, but, but they are speaking as similar nonsense as this. And we have to be really, really careful about who we're listening to, about which information we're going to follow and we're going to hold to. Absalom says, Athaphel, tell me, what should I do next? I've arrived in Jerusalem. It's, it's, it's time of victory. It's time of celebration. What, what do I do? And Athaphel looked at him and said, go and sleep with your father's concubines, for he has left them here to look after the palace. Now listen to the reason that he gives. Then he says, all Israel will know that you have insulted your father beyond hope of reconciliation, and they will throw their support to you. That's what Athaphel believed. Athaphel believed, let's burn the bridges. Let's tear down all the roads of communication. That's what we need to do. We need to make sure that there's no way David and Absalom can be reconciled. Now, if you'll look closely at some of the power struggles that you have encountered in your world, at some point along the way, for their own security, someone is burning bridges. They, they may be using gossip. They, they may be using ideas. They may be using manipulations. But someone in the midst of that power struggle that you're finding yourself in Someone is saying, let's cut off all possibility of reconciliation. Now, just as sleeping with these concubines on the palace for all to see is never God's idea, cutting off opportunity of reconciliation is never, ever God's idea. It never is. And in that power struggle, when you hear people moving that way, going that direction, and beginning to cut off opportunities of reconciliation, that is not the way of God. Pull back. Hear what you're hearing. Hear what you're hearing clearly and take, for, take it for what it is and realize that you're getting the evil one's advice. Athaphel, here's what you ought to do. Absalom, go sleep with your father's concubines. And if you sleep with your concubines, that's really going to make David mad. And there's no way in the world you guys will ever be able to reconcile. Because after all, isn't that what everybody needs in Israel? That David... And Absalom never, ever reconcile? No, of course not. That's not what they need. They need them to reconcile. 
their prosperity, their peace, their security. It, 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 it needed Absalom and David to reconcile and come to terms and become father and son again and not be adversarial. And, and, and just think of all the hurt and all the pain and all the misery that would be escaped if they would have been able to come together and join hands together as father and son. It says in verse 23, Absalom followed Athaphel's advice, just as David had done. The sad story is we learn from our dads. We learn from our fathers. We learn from our superiors. We learn from our examples. People can look at this story and they talk about Absalom. You can talk about what he did or didn't do, mistakes he made, mistakes he didn't make. And there's one thing we know for sure about Absalom is the track was set on the course that David had set for Absalom. And he was just making the same mistakes that David had made. The same mistakes. And so it's really important if you find yourself in a power struggle with loved ones, you can determine decisions that are going to be made by the leadership that has the history. I mean, until the, the chains are broken and until the connection is severed, how dad handled problems is the way the son's going to handle the problems. How mom handles her anger, that's how the daughter is going to handle her anger. I mean, we all probably can talk time and time again about different stories that are all part of our family's lives. That, you know, the problem we're having now is exactly the same problem my family had back 30 years ago. The people have changed, but the problem is the same. And that's because that power struggle, it just repeats itself over and over because that's what the people know. You see, nobody was able to get to Absalom and say, Absalom, your dad wasn't the finest example of leaders. Now, if, if you would be objective enough to think about the leadership that you have received from your dad, and if you're willing to go, man, I need to unlearn some things. I need to, I need to remember my dad didn't handle things well. You know, my mother didn't handle things very well when they got themselves in a crisis. And this is how they would, 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 be, would portray themselves when they're in these same kind of situations. That should be a, a red flashing light for you and I to come together and go, I got to be careful. I'm not that way. Because we're going to repeat what our parents have done. The power struggle keeps on going unless the power struggle is broken. And so Absalom, he follows Athaphel's advice. The scripture says, 
just as David had done. That's a valuable lesson for us here. And then you see here in closing, oh, the peril of today, the struggle of today. What is God's Word? What does God's Word say? What is someone saying God's Word says? Is it reliable? Is it truthful? It says, for every word Athaphel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. You can live any way you want to as long as you're happy. It seems like it's from the mouth of God, but it's not true. Same-sex marriage is okay as long as both parties are okay with it, and it's not really hurting anyone. It's just giving people their own liberties. It seems as though it's from, it, it seems as though it's reasonable and coming directly from the mouth of God, but it's not. It's not. We need to be careful about what words out there in our culture we perceive to be wise and seemingly they are as though they're coming from the very mouth of God. And this power struggle at this particular time is absolutely moving down the road for a train wreck because no one is able to stand up and say, this is not the Word of God. Athaphel's advice is wrong. God's wrongs are always wrong. God's rights are always right. It doesn't determine about, it doesn't matter about the situation or the circumstances or the day in which we live or who did what or who said what or whose fault it is. God's words are always right. And the power struggles will continue and continue and continue regardless of what level they are at until God's word is heeded and believed and trusted and obeyed. Absalom has everything now in his own mind. He believes that he's been chosen. He believes that he's now the master. He believes that he is going to win out. He believes that he's listening to the right person. He believes he's getting the right information. And he believes that he's hearing words that are coming directly from the mouth of God. If only Absalom could just see a few days in the future, he would change his mind. Now, the truth of the matter is, in all the power struggles, none of us can see the future. 
We can't see the future. We can't see who said what. We, we may, there may be some situations in a power struggle that we're in that we're not quite sure how it began, who's at fault. We're not quite sure who has the, the, the most to lose, the most to gain, who has got the agenda, who's, who's, you know, who's fueling this thing. And so we must turn to God's Word, and we must seek His face, and we must seek his information. And just very simple, when God is chosen, he is chosen. You need to be okay with what God has chosen. And what God said is right, is right. And what God's word has said is wrong, is wrong. That's it. That's it. And the power struggle should be finished when that is accomplished. When that is accomplished. We'll go on the next several weeks. We'll see the Athafel's uh, situation. We'll see what happens with Hushai. We'll see what happens with Absalom. And we'll see what happens with David. But please, today, take with you just that one thing. What God has chosen is the way it is. And choose on his side. Help us, Lord, to, to be open to your words. Help us, Lord, to be open to your truth. And help us to know what we need to know. I just pray, God, that each one of us will search our hearts and, Lord, for information, for understanding, for an awareness that we're missing, that we're blind to, that perhaps, Lord, we don't quite see about a pending power struggle, an ongoing power struggle, a power struggle, Father, even between you and I, between us and you, Lord. I pray, Father, that we'll come to the place where we'll just be able to surrender to the fact that you are God and you are always right. And your choice is your choice. And we should surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.